You are listening to the IoT for All Media Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the IoT for All podcast on the IoT for All Media Network. I'm your host, Ryan Chacon, one of the co-creators of IoT for All. Now, before we jump into this episode, please don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform or join our newsletter at iotforall.com slash newsletter to catch all the newest episodes as soon as they come out. Before we get started, does your business waste hours searching for assets like equipment or vehicles and pay full-time employees just to manually enter location and status data? You can get real-time location and status updates for assets indoors and outdoors at the lowest cost possible with Leverage's end-to-end IoT solutions. To learn more, go to iotchangeseverything.com. That's iotchangeseverything.com. So without further ado, please enjoy this episode of the IoT for All podcast. Welcome, Sean, to the IoT for All podcast. How are things going on your end? Things are great, man. Things are things are awesome. Great. It's great to have you. Um, appreciate you taking some time to chat with me today. I'd love to kind of start out by just having you give a quick introduction to your to our audience. Um, you have a relatively unique background uh, coming from kind of a football career into this. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about that and kind of how it all connects together. Yeah, awesome. Um, I'm... I'm Sean Tufts. I'm a practice director for our industrial control and IoT business over here at Optiv Inc. Optiv, we do kind of all things security. We're, we're minutely focused in cybersecurity, um, both technology resale, where we have 500-ish partners, and also a full suite of professional services. And I run all our stuff that, that connects to, well, I guess, connected devices. Awesome. Um, yeah, t- go ahead and get, how did you kind of get into this line of work coming from that football background that um, I know you have? Yeah, that's a good question. So my football background, uh, I played about three years in the NFL with the Carolina Panthers, um, went to college at the University of Colorado, played linebacker. I look back on it and I got three years in, right? Mostly, I think mm-hmm. I, I got cut every time you could get cut. Like if there was a cut, <laughs> it was going to be me. And it was just known that I was going to be the guy. But they always bring me back. I mean, it was either like a practice squad role or like just mm-hmm. hanging on for dear life on a special team spot. So I was kind of always up and down, which was fun. Um, it was a lot of fun, but sometimes I look back and I'm, I'm like three years and it sounds short, but it also gave me a good shot to like build a career. I wasn't like 45 and all beat up with, you know, any sort of financial security. Right. I, I had to go find that first terrible job, which I did. And you know, started my career up and running. So how did, um, did you have a kind of cybersecurity background before you got into football, like from, from your days in college, or was that something you kind of acquired once you were done with, with football? No, embarrassingly, I was a sociology major and to this okay. day, I don't think I can spell that word, which <laughs> I, uh, I'm not kidding. My spelling is not great, but that word will flummox me every single time. Uh, <laughs> So I started out my career uh, building wind farms, actually. Um, I live in, I live outside of Boulder, Colorado, and and it's kind of a wind corridor out here. I got in touch with a guy who was developing land leases and putting up the turbines. And that turned into a career a couple years later at a company, a company at General Electric. Um, I was doing, I had transferred at that point from renewables into like the, the oil and gas side. So Baker Hughes. And they put out a survey and the survey said, who wants to learn cybersecurity? And I was like, that sounds way more awesome than like electric <laughs> motors and fracking and all this stuff. And I answered the call and like two days later, they're like, you're a cybersecurity expert. And I was like, okay, all right, <laughs> great. <laughs> so a lot of YouTube, a lot of uh, security for dummies books. Um, but yeah, that's been my path. Okay. Fantastic. Um, so talk a little bit more about Optiv and what you all do. Um, I obviously know that there's a lot of, it's centered a lot around the security and, um, 
kind of how how what you do connects to the IoT space and you know what the general focus is for the organization. So yeah, we focus only on cybersecurity. Um, we don't have any other parts of our business. Um, we also don't make any technologies. Um, so okay. we'll go to the market to the Palo Altos of the world, the CrowdStrikes of the world, the McAfee's, um, and then we'll work with clients to to build the right program from the most strategic, like policy-based initiatives, all the way down to like hands-on tools, um, remediating vulnerabilities, remediating active threat campaigns, and kind of all parts in between. The big houses and things we focus on are like attack and penetration, identity throughout the whole user life cycle, um, digital transformations, which is where I sit. There was some forward thinking around what does digital transformation mean? Yeah, it's cloud, cool. Yes, it's automation. Yes, it's industry 4.0. But where are we getting this data? And it's from all these connected devices that are popping in and out. So when you think about kind of when people talk about IoT and they say the Internet of Things and so forth, how do you all view that piece of the digital transformation puzzle? I mean, obviously, there is a very large spectrum, right? There's consumer devices where most people associate smart things with that's what IoT is. But there is this whole other side of the world, which is maybe, you know, growing even more rapidly with on the enterprise side, you know, have using devices to collect data for companies to be more, more informed to make better decisions. So when you all are kind of thinking about IOT, what does it mean to you? And kind of how do you see it playing the, the, you know, leading role in the digital transformation kind of revolution that we're going through? I think right now, when I look at our cloud businesses and everything that AWS and Azure and Google are doing and all the, the awesome AI implementations and ML stuff, it feels like we're really wringing the last drops out of some of those easy migrations from like on-prem servers to the cloud. We're overlaying that stuff. We're getting all the value out of it, but the value is starting to become less and less. So then when this relates to IoT, it's where are you getting your data next, right? What's the next big mm-hmm. data lake you can tap into? What's the next big asset class that you can go grab? And I think it's the connection to the physical world and whether that's retail location and tracking, you know, how long a customer stays at a Coke display or how they mm-hmm. interact in the parking lot or the temperature in the building, you know, all of those are going to be the next islands of data that we want to consume and monetize. So when you all work with a customer, you mentioned you guys don't write, you know, kind of writing software or anything like that. Are there particular industries that you kind of have expertise or focus in when it comes to kind of providing your security kind of guidance? Uh, we don't. Um, we have a strong relationship component inside of our business, which means a lot of what we do is organically grown from a relationship standpoint. Um, that's another way to say a lot of our leads come in from trusted sources, right? Either we've worked with a company for a couple of years or you know, whatever. Um, so we service all parts. I think it's like everyone has this dump stat, right? But it's like 75% of the fortune 50 or something like that, all the way down to like mom and pop shops. I, we don't have any industry focus or reference. Okay, gotcha. And what about um, kind of speaking on more of the use case front and bringing this more you know kind of full circle for our audience to understand maybe a a project that you all have embarked on with a customer. So kind of taking us through the general customer engagement. So they come to you with this problem, or you're working with an organization around a customer with a certain problem, and then what does that kind of engagement look like for, for you all? And what's kind of the, the general problem people are coming to you on? And then what's the, the outcome kind of uh, look like at the end? So we work most with uh, chief information security officer. So that's CISO. It could be someone on the network side. It could be someone infrastructure, cloud. It, it doesn't really matter. But usually our entry points at CISO 
on the IoT front, they're coming to us and saying, I have no idea what's in my network. And I just walked the shop floor. I just went through this this office and I saw a camera I didn't know about. Or I walked through and I saw a test bed that I know isn't running the right patches and I know isn't authorized. And I'm kind of concerned. The biggest thing security is facing right now is just understanding what devices are out there. And because you can't secure what you can't see. So we know all the, from a corporate standpoint, we know where the data center is. We know where things, well, in theory, where things are in the cloud. Because who really knows? It's the cloud. Um, we, know, we know what laptops people are running and we know all that kind of stuff. But we don't know all those little non-Windows, non-Linux devices that are running on the corporate LAN. And sure. you, you can't, unless you go look, you can't find them. And we've done exercises um, about five years ago because the maturity curve was so low. We went out to an oil rig and literally took a flip phone and took a picture of every single piece of computing device and then used that to start logging serial numbers. Thank goodness we're more involved wow. than that. But that's <laughs> that's still where a lot of our clients are today. Wow. That's that's something that I don't know if much of our audience understands. <laughs> kind of a, where most of the companies stand right now. Um, but one of the questions I wanted to ask you a little bit more high level to to kind of tap into your just general view of the market and mindset around security is, and this is a question that a lot of companies bring up um, because security is oftentimes an afterthought, unfortunately, but why should people and more of these enterprise companies when they're building an IOT solution or kind of going down that path, why should they care about uh, the security piece so much? And why is it important for them to be thinking about that early in the process rather than later? I, I think the answer is, you know, good answer is it always depends, right? Um, and I think in this case, it depends on the criticality. Um, last year, a large toy manufacturer that makes dolls for girls had, I won't name the name, um, they had, they got breached and they had cameras inside their dolls that were looking into the environments of our kids and in our bedrooms and stuff like that. That's problematic. They also had a bunch of credentials where they had the name, birth date, not social security number, but some other information baked into those devices. That's not a good practice. So for that specific company, it was critically important that they had IoT and security in the forefront of their technology. Same thing with the people who you know provide us electricity, provide fuel in our tanks. Um, the biggest impact COVID had in my industry was I, I work a lot with critical infrastructure companies. Well, we opened up a whole new scope mm -hmm. for what that means because all of a sudden customers were coming to us who made who tests raw chicken and they were like, Hey, we get temperature from IOT devices. And if our temperature goes wrong in the chicken plant, everybody gets sick and people will be really, really uh, with us. So that was an example of criticality coming crashing to the forefront was some of it COVID was some of it just neglect. Yeah. But there's other industries where it doesn't really matter. Right. Retail is still slow. For sure. um, yeah. It's important to know who's in your building. It's important to know how they interact how they use the credit card, but right. it's, it's not going to bring down the company. For sure. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And now when you're thinking about security and you're talking with these companies, are you seeing any trends across the industry around kind of the biggest problems or concerns on the security side of things as it relates to IoT use cases and devices and things like that? Yeah, I think the first thing to understand is that uh, there is a curve in the scale. Cybersecurity has a, <laughs> we're not on a 4.0 scale. You know, top grades are coming in at like B pluses. Um, 
the critical mm-hmm. infrastructure world, IoT world, um, there's been less of a focus on some of those um, industries, some of those markets, some of those technologies. So we're still at the very forefront of um, tackling this problem. It's it's so immature that um, our previous president had to come in and actually put legislation on the table around IoT for security. Wow. It was light. It just right. said you got to roll credentials and be able to move the password. But you wouldn't necessarily have seen that if we were, um, if security was treated more densely. Yeah, absolutely. And where do you kind of see, I guess, the, the let's say, you know, looking into the next 12, 18 plus months, do you see any real big gaps on the security front that you're concerned about or that or maybe have not been addressed in the way you feel like they should and companies like yours or other companies need to start really paying attention to it that people should kind of be on the lookout for? I, I think right now, and I mentioned it earlier, the 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 biggest gold rush right now for the, the vendor space is providing tools to to actually see into their network and understand what's there. That that market, whether you're a power plant or whether you're a chicken processor, people are really thirsting to understand because every day someone's bringing in, our office is guilty of it, someone's bringing in an Alexa or plugging in a smart fridge or doing something silly. Um, and yeah, those the Alexas and the smart fridges of the world, they're... You know, they're red herrings to a lot of degree, but they're still bringing in test benches and they're still bringing in new cool technology and new, new everything to transform how they interact with mm-hmm. their business, with their clients. And none of those things are, are, have a real best practice for security. So whether you're a corporate right. or you're working on wall street, like all this stuff is going to start changing how we interact. So that's, that's the biggest trend I've been seeing. Okay. And now let me ask you a question about your interaction with just the general companies that you talk to and work with, and maybe even just converse with what maybe are not customers per se. But, you know, one of the things we've realized in the IT space is how important education is and how often a lot of these companies run into the decision makers within an organization who are very resistant to change, um, you know, bringing new technology into the business, dealing with legacy systems, you know, the costs, the, the unproven ROI at times, there's a lot of hesitation on why companies adopt. And I'm curious if you've come across similar problems um, engaging with companies who are maybe stuck in a different way of thinking when it comes to security, IOT and so forth that kind of stalls the adoption of new technologies, whether it's, in the IOT side or on the cybersecurity side or just general technology that you all work with, how do you see that? Like, how do you, how, what are your experiences been on that front and kind of how do you approach it? Yeah, that's the Luddite conversation. The people are afraid of the printing presses, right? Like we got to pick that up a little bit. Um, I, I've worked a lot with, um, with companies who were their low margin businesses or were just really tight budgets. And there was always this assumption from security of like, uh, who would target us? Who would want to hurt, harm our little firm? And it's never been about that. It's always been about like, hey, let's make these systems more robust. Let's make the data better. Let's make all this other stuff better. But you cannot do that without a strong cybersecurity thread bleeding through all that stuff. You guys talk a bunch about Industry 4.0 and all the cool new stuff that all these IoT devices can like unlock. Sure. And all... In many cases, that stuff will get shot down every single time if you don't have a really strong, how are we securing the data? How are we securing the identities? How are we securing the access? Um, how are we securing the time of these things? And if you can't show those four main components, it's really hard for someone who is a Luddite to really jump on board with it. And there's always going to be this 
kind of knuckle dragging into the future component, right? I mean, you talked earlier about training from a cybersecurity perspective. When was the first time you heard don't click? Seven years ago, 10 years ago, and we're still having to tell people not yeah. to click on mis- on suspicious links. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, it's interesting because to that point, you know, there's even things that, you know, these uh, spammers or whatever you want to call them are getting more sophisticated with not just the the links, but the formatting of the emails and the messages that come out, whether it's through text message now, whether it's through email and, you know, they're able to disguise their email address so that it comes up with the name of somebody, you know, and not necessarily like displaying the email address, which then you could tell is, is not real or they're creating a, 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 uh, the layout to look very identical to something that, you know, holds your bank information that you may get from your bank to click through and, uh, and, 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 you know, then give them obviously access to your account. So you're, you're right. It's, it's something that is fascinating that we still have to kind of teach people. You want to hear a funny story about that? So my mom, 80 years old, she's eating again. She's on, you know, one of the dating sites. I don't know if it's eHarmony. I don't know. It is. Um, she sends me a link one day and she was like, Hey, I've got this four-star general that wants to date me. And she sends it to me, right? And it's a picture <laughs> of a four-star general. And it says like, you know, Colin Powell on his chest or something. And the message from field is from like, you know, Dave Smith. It's like, mom, clearly that guy's not seen the right picture. Like, come on. Like, you can't fall for this anymore. This is like the 10th time we've done this this month. Come on, mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, a, it's scary, yeah. though. You know, especially when you have loved ones that are older and technology is relatively new to them. And, you know, they're kind of the happy-go-lucky at times with stuff. They just don't they're not skeptics yet when it comes to the technology piece based on the way they use it. And people are preying on that. And it, it terrifies me. Like my parents, um, they use technology a decent amount, but my mom is, is, you know, kind of still a novice on that front. And there's things she'll send me and they'll be, it'll just be like, is this real? Is this legit? What should I do with this? You know? And it's, it's like, if, if she's asking those questions, there's people out there that are getting this and not asking those questions and are just assuming that people have the best intentions. When in reality, the intentions are the complete opposite. And they're the ones that are getting hacked. They're the ones that are getting their identity stolen and their money stolen. It's just, it's a, it's a very scary world when it comes to that for those who are, you know, less up to speed on kind of the ways this can be approached and not kind of having a skeptic's viewpoint with almost everything they do when it comes to technology. Yeah. And, you know, when you start thinking about the user base and the corporate environments that, you know, this IOT game is, is really kind of the waves are crashing on, right. There's all sorts of new ways for someone to click into something, right. Um, Alexa asked me every day if I want to like upgrade to some music platform. And one day my five-year-old is going to say yes. Sure. And that's going to start happening in the corporate realms. It's going to start happening with, you know, all the, the new cool technologies. My, my thermostat asked me if it's too hot, right? That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's insane to me. Now, I wanted to ask you, though, as, as these security threats are, you know, continuing to evolve, how has the, the pandemic affected the security space from your all's end? Have you seen new threats coming up or new problems companies are looking to solve on the security front because of the pandemic? You know, the thing the pandemic really shined from a, a broad cybersecurity perspective, not just IoT, was like number one, remote access, right? Like I work with a lot of critical infrastructure clients like pipelines and stuff like that. And they've, you know, they send mm-hmm. home most of their staff that doesn't need to be on the pipeline, but there's still guys who do. But they've now opened up that new remote gateway where they're actually logging into this equipment from their home, 
right? And there was always this kind of like subtle fear about third-party risk there. Like, how were these people interacting? Where were they coming through? Was it like a VMware terminal? Was it accessing a piece of like Siemens gear, right? And people were kind of concerned about third-party risk. And then the solar winds and FireEye stuff happened. And that like turned the whole thing upside down. And, you know, COVID led to work from home. Work from home led to a proliferation of tools and access from other parties that we weren't even thinking about. And then bam, solar winds has a presence in like 95% of our corporate environments. <laughs> and they had a big back door. Uh, it, it, that big back door went right to the Kremlin, right? And they were monkeying around with data and playing with stuff. And, you know, Microsoft was exposed. So it was the biggest security company in the world, FireEye. So were a bunch of other little mom and pop shops. I, I think that's been the most interesting part is, is how big of a light has been shined on our naivety around the cloud and how things work. Yeah, no, I, t- I totally agree with you. And now to that point, what can companies or individuals do to better protect themselves from these risks that we've been kind of discussing or just like the, the, the future unknown risks that will be coming up that security uh, companies like yours are going to be battling against that, you know, these companies may not be aware of just yet. From the IOT perspective, buy smart. Um, I can click on Amazon right now and find a really cheap camera, find a really cheap accessory, whatever it is. And you get what you pay for. We do a lot of device testing where we'll reverse engineer this equipment. Um, we've got a utility client that we are their test bench. So if they're buying something new from, you know, the, the tried and true vendors um, or something fringe from an IOT or from a cloud vendor, we'll pull it apart first. And we find all sorts of number one shortcuts in the code, shortcuts in the firmware, um, open ports, like just things that shouldn't be there. And then number two, we do find occasions where there's been someone tinkered with it. We have a client that's got retail locations on, uh, I'll say federal facilities. They have 700 locations on federal facilities. We found active spyware using cheap TVs sourced in foreign countries that, that was turning on the camera and filming what people were doing in the room. And, you know, the, the, the government put out some notifications not to buy from some of those vendors and, it's happening and that stuff exists left and right. And you know what? It's, it's a numbers game. They don't care where they are. They just want to see what Intel they can get. And if you, (laughs) in your own world, Mm -hmm. if you're buying something off Amazon, that's, you, you get what you pay for. So. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. We've actually had a number of guests on last year who um, we would focus a lot of our conversation around the consumer devices and um, security spot and or side of things. And big thing for them was talking about really understanding who you're buying from and understanding that a lot of these companies that are using uh, like, like China, for instance, to manufacture their devices, you don't know where the data that it's collecting is going. And, you know, whether it's video, audio, or whatever kind of data it is. And, you know, you just blindly accept terms and conditions. You always kind of just click the box and all the updates that come through, you're fine with accepting them. And there's been a lot of issues with those devices, um, you know, collecting the data you don't want them to collect. But most consumers are uninformed and they're, or they're misinformed on, on kind of how to go about the buying process for, um, for their devices that they put in their home. And I'm sure it's probably a similar situation for enterprises, even at a larger scale. Oh yeah, totally. Um, the biggest killer of a CISO, right? 
people used to think like, oh, if you get breached, the first thing you do is fire your CISO. That's not really true. The most case scenario when the chief information security gets ousted, it's when he disagrees with the marketing team. When he disagrees with the sales team because they want to have some new portal and they want to monetize this Salesforce data and they want to do all this cool new stuff. And our guy, our security guy puts the brakes on it because it's too immature. And that's what gets most people fired in this yeah. world. Interesting. I didn't really know that, but that's uh, quite fascinating because I, I mean, I, I can understand why they would clash at times. But the whole point of having that security uh, information systems off, or officer in the company is to protect the company. And it's oftentimes overlooked by those parts of the company, you know, the departments that are trying to move forward and worry about, you know, bringing in money and so forth. And it's often overlooked about how important the security piece is and what that could actually cost you financially if you don't do it correctly the first time. And it seems the only way we're learning is by mistake and watching something bad happen to someone else. Right. And then a bunch of budget gets released somewhere else because, you know, this company got screwed with. Right. And that's just it's dumb logic. So when I'm talking with my clients who don't have the, the authority, the budget, I'm actually coaching them to go find that CMO. Like, go ask that guy, hey, what are your important conversations? How do you want to use this data? How can I help you and make you more secure? That's been the biggest way to release budget and get, get projects moving and advance things. Yeah, unfortunately, that's how it happens. Um, the last question I want to ask you before we wrap up here is kind of loosely connected to obviously what companies can and individuals can do, but more on the kind of government and legislative side, if there are things that you've seen, I know you kind of alluded to it earlier, but anything that you've seen in, in the works or that you feel like the, there should be kind of focus on in, you know, throughout the next year that that could help with a lot of the concerns or issues that you've kind of noticed through the trends in the market? Yeah, I think we're just scratching the surface of that right now. Uh, the U Utilities from an IoT, OT perspective, OT meaning operational technologies, all the power plant controls. They got hit with legislation about 10 years ago for, for anybody under the NERC category. Um, but it was checkbox, right? It's, hey, do you have this tool? Yes or no. It didn't ask about the effectivity on it. And they were kind of the grandfathers and that's matured and gone different ways. But we're starting to see more and more people start to realize, hey, this is really important. If this goes down, you know, we could wipe out internet connectivity on the West Coast, right? If this temperature gets too hot in a data center, that could cause a problem. All of that being run on the back of IoT gear. Um, understanding that the temperature, that's, an, that's like an, a 101 of IoT. So there is a groundswell of security momentum in the policy space that's kind of coming up to this world. I think you saw a lot of it with um, the executive order from last year around IoT devices, and I think you'll see more. We need to be smarter about how we code. We need to be smarter about how we put these installations in, um, whether it's the home network, whether it's a, you know, the Wall Street trading floor. We have to be smarter about how we apply it. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you. Um, the, the insights you shared today have been fantastic. I think we 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 kind of went another level deeper than um, I've gone in the past with some of these some of our guests who are you know in the cybersecurity space and kind of have their career centered around it. So I really appreciate your time. I, I, the last question I want to ask you is um, if our audience out there is kind of has questions, has concerns about just their general uh, kind of security approach and just wants to learn more, wants to talk more, what's the best way to engage with either you or the organization? <laughs> That's funny. I thought you were going to ask me how to spell sociology. That's <laughs> uh, <laughs> That should be my last question. Yes. <laughs> oh, no. I'm going to go Google it as we talk. Um, yeah, the best way to get a hold of me is, um, or anyone's on Optiv. Obviously, optiv.com has a lot of the, 
the drop down components. Um, and I think we can put an alias in the show notes. Is that possible? Yes. Yes. We'll have some information in there for sure. Yeah. So I can put my contact info in the show notes. Um, you can always find me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty discoverable. Fantastic. And is there any, um, anything to come, anything our audience should be on the lookout for coming out of Optiv this year, anything kind of exciting or news that you were able to you know, divulge? There's lots of exciting things. Um, I think the piece that's, that's most exciting to me in this security space, especially from someone in a company that kind of goes soup to nuts, right? It's, it's most exciting to see people and clients and, you know, influential act- actors in the market, really start to put holistic approaches around this stuff. For a long time, it was by a firewall, by antivirus. And now it's like a part of our DNA. And I think the the cool stuff I've seen is when we start to like ping together, yeah, the firewall and the antivirus, sure. But then we start collecting AWS logs and we start like synthesizing automation tools and connecting to IoT devices and making this one holistic thing. Cybersecurity is not, especially cybersecurity defense, is not a unique animal. We're just IT done well. And finishing some of those exercises in the code base, finishing some of those exercises in network security, like, and that's that's what cyber is, not anything special. Yeah, I, I, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I appreciate, again, your time today. It's been fantastic to kind of get your insights here for somebody, you know, working, living and breathing in this industry. Um, so I, again, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate you being on the show and um, love to have you back at some point in the future. Yeah, thanks. All right, everyone. Thanks again for joining us this week on the IoT for All podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please leave us a rating or review and be sure to subscribe to our podcast on whichever platform you're listening to us on. Also, if you have a guest you'd like to see on the show, please drop us a note at ryan.iotforall.com and we'll do everything we can to get them as a featured guest. Other than that, thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time.